I love Webster. <laughs> uh, everyone loves Webster. He's like a martial arts master now. He burned down his apartment building. <laughs> <laughs> the insurance money they bought a mansion. I mean, there's all these variables I'm wondering about. There, it's you, you got to think. It's kind of like um, when we were in. Uh, it's kind of like when we were in middle school. Jeremy Chapman, his dad, burned down their house because he was making a fucking wrestling mat and with Placidip, which specifically says do not put on foam. And he turned his foot and it caused that friction caused a fire. And supposedly like that little fire on this wrestling mat burned down their entire house. And they got like they made out like bandits. And I went, mm, that's a little suspicious. <laughs> More than a little suspicious. Right. Right. Especially since they got away with doing a thing that specifically says don't do. Like, yeah, there was that was questionable. That was very, very questionable. Well, it's like Pete on Pete's place. Like, how many times did he burn down his uh restaurant? Oh my god, right? <laughs> you know, it's like Pete. every five years, you know, as soon as <laughs> <laughs> yep, as soon as the shit would come due, oh my gosh, grease fire. All right. Give me just a second. All right. Hi, and welcome to Rate That Album, the podcast where two guys uh, with no musical talent decide to rate other people's albums. Because we're armchair quarterbacks. I'm Paul Moadib, and with me, as always, is Joe Fremming. Joe, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic, Paul. That's phenomenal. That's fantastical. Um, this album, we are doing City Lopper's debut album, She's So Unusual. Joe, before we get into the backstory about this, I just want your first glance impressions of what you thought about this album. This was a really good album. I liked it. Uh, I didn't know a whole lot about it besides like growing up in the 80s, knowing that there was like three superstars. It was Michael Jackson, Cyndi Lauper, and Darth Vader. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Hang on one sec. Hold on. Hold on. We got to stop. My dog's whining. Um, Try try later on the deck. Sorry. Go ahead and restart that, Joe. Yeah, so I <laughs> I only know in the early 80s there was three superstars in the world, uh, Cyndi Lauper, Michael Jackson, and uh, Darth Vader. Um, so, and I also remember the video for Girls Just Want to Have Fun, mm-hmm. which uh, was a dynamic powerhouse with her in the WWF. Which, <laughs> 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 you know... Saying it sounds a lot stranger than it was because at the time, you know, like what what the hell did we know? Like, hey, it's Captain Lou. He's he's Cindy's dad. Okay. <laughs> hmm. Yes, Captain Lou Albano. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's kind of like where me and Cindy Lop. You know, I know the hits. Uh, time after time, and girls just want to have fun. I was not anticipating how like really good this album was. Okay. But, Almost front to back. It was just like, uh, just like a synth pop. Uh, it's a fun album. I really enjoyed it. Mm. 
Okay, I'm really glad you said that. So let's talk about it a little bit. So Sidney Lauper um, was born in Brooklyn. And, um, you know, she kind of had that whole life. She grew up so listening to the Beatles and Julie Garland. And at age 12, she began writing songs and playing an acoustic guitar whoa, that was given whoa. to her. What life is the Beatles and Julie yeah. Garland? <laughs> well, Paul, I mean, uh, that's not, uh, uh, I don't think a lot of people grew up with that combination. Well, you know, when you live in Ozone Park, that's kind of what you get. But yeah, no, this is really what she did. She said she credits the Beatles and Julie Garland. And at age 12, she began writing songs and playing on the guitar. Um, you know, she... She, basically how she looks in the video is how she was from like age 12 on. Um, she went to Rich, Richmond High, um, Hill High School, was expelled, um, and got her GED. She left home at age 17 to, to um, escape her abusive stepfather. She Captain wanted to study. <laughs> no, no, no. Captain Lou was her, was her, was her, was her TV dad. Um, oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> Her, so then she went off to Canada, where she spent two weeks in the woods with her dog, Sparkle, to try and find herself. Let me repeat this. She left home at 17, intending to study art, and instead ended up in Canada for two weeks in the woods with her dog, Sparkle, to find herself. Then she traveled whoa, 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 whoa. to... Was this, like, in the woods, kind of, like, into the wild woods, where she's, like, living off the land, or was she just, like, back at tent and... You know, it doesn't say. I, 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 I'm gonna go with knowing what we know about city. I'm gonna say straight up, like she was living in the woods, like in a cave. Let's like just Chris say McCandless. She, <laughs> All right. Yes, yes. Let's just say she was living in a cave. That makes it more interesting. Um, she then somehow found herself in Vermont, where she went to Johnson State College, and started doing odd jobs. Um, so, in the early '70s. She started performing as a vocalist in various cover bands. Um, you know, so that's where she got her thing. And although she loved being on stage, she just hated the fact of doing covers. So in 19, about 1977, she damaged her vocal cords and took a year off. She was told by a doctor she would never sing, but regain her voice with the help of a vocal coach. Uh, so I don't know where she got all this money to do all this shit. But like this is just a fantastic like background. Like when you when you think about it, you go, yeah, that's the life Cindy Lauper had. Of course, it's the life Cindy Lauper had. Well, maybe she got the money from her cousin Ozzy Osbourne. Well, there you go. That's that's that that's a distinct possibility. <laughs> Although I think at this time he wasn't raking in the money. He was just a giant coke addict, alcoholic. But you know, <clears throat> was this around the time he got before Blizzard of Oz when he was hanging out just in hotel rooms, like just doing blow, pretty and much drunk? That's how Sharon Osbourne bored out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, until Sharon Osbourne. first sight, a bloated, <laughs> coked out Ozzy Osbourne. Jesus Christ, did he smelled my water. Love <laughs> <laughs> first sight, bloated crap, cokehead Ozzy. <laughs> Fucking A. Mm. And somehow they got their own TV show. So, in 1978, Lopper met a saxophone player, goddamn saxophones, um... Through her manager, and they formed a band called Blue Angel. Now, the rumor when I was a kid, or even just in the last couple of years even, I heard someone say, well, yeah, you know, Cindy Lauper, she was really good. Um, a guy found her and hated her band because um, her, it wasn't working with her vocals. Like, they weren't playing in the right key for her. That's not what happened at all. Um, they, they, they formed a band called Blue Angel, and um, the manager of the Allman Brothers band heard it and was like, yes, I love... 
I love Lopper's voice. I want to have this. So he bought their contract for $5,000 and became their manager. Lopper was getting a lot of offers to be a solo artist, but she wanted the band to be included. Um, they eventually signed with Polydor Records and released a self-titled album, Blue Angel, in 1980. Um, Lopper was not a fan of it. Um, you know, She hated the album cover. She hated a lot of things about it. Um, Rolling Stone called it one of the best 100 uh, best new wave album covers of all time in, in 2003. Um, it was critically acclaimed, but no one bought it because it just wasn't getting played anywhere, and they broke up. Um, which led to her having financial problems. She started working in retail stores, waitressing at IHOP, and singing in local clubs until she was found again by David Wolf, who took over as her manager, signed her with Portrait Records, which was a subsidiary of Epic Records, and this is how her debut album in 1983, She's So Unusual, came to be. Uh, so she didn't like doing covers, but you know, correct me if I'm wrong. She only co-wrote four songs on this album. She only co-wrote four songs on this album. That is correct. Uh, when you look at uh, when you look at the, uh, the the writing credits and things on this, um, it was you know, she wrote time after time. Um, she wrote witness. She wrote she bop. She wrote, I'll kiss you. Um, you know, everything else was written by other people, including When You Were Mine, which was written to, written for her by Prince. Yeah, he was on fire in the 80s writing for uh, other artists. Oh, God, yeah. He, yeah, yeah, so many artists he was writing for. And, you know, wrote and he didn't... one day for my, one of my favorite bands, uh, The Bangles. Right, and he wasn't taking credit for that shit either. Like, give the man his due. He was not telling anyone it was him, right? Yeah, you, I don't think I found out, like, Nothing Compares to You was written by him until I I saw a, a compilation of his, his, and it had that on there, and then I looked into it, and I was like, oh, holy shit, he wrote that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So... The reception for this album, I mean, when you when you look at the songs that are on it, like the big ones that people know, are Girls Just Want to Have Fun, Time After Time, um, All Through the Night. Um, She-Bop. Uh, She-Bop. Um, the second be- greatest song about masturbation. Absolutely. After, Abs- after the divinals, I touch myself. Ex- yes. Yes, yes, you're exactly right. In case you guys didn't know, she bops all about masturbation. Uh, and if you didn't know that, you aren't paying attention to the lyrics. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this this album, like, like threw her into absolute stardom. Um, it, wa- it earned her six Grammy Award nominations. Um, she won, uh, well, she won two. Best Recording Package, and Best New Artist. Um, Girls Just Want to Have Fun was nominated for Record of the Year and Best Female Pop Performance, and Time After Time was nominated for Song of the Year, uh, which I want to know which one won, because Time After Time should have won over everything. Um, Shebop also received some nominations. I mean, this was just a stellar album. So, Joe, let's talk about the highlights and the lowlights of 
She's so unusual. Okay. Uh, so I don't know if I've talked about this on on this podcast yet, but I am a sucker for women pop music, women-led mm-hmm. pop music. So this was right up my alley. Like I just mentioned before, like the Bangles is one of my favorite bands. I love the Go-Go's. Uh, <clears throat> I knew my marriage was over when my ex-wife made fun of me for enjoying Taylor Swift's 1989. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. So... Yeah, I mean, if you if you don't like 1989, there's just something fucking wrong with you. <laughs> it's got some good songs. I'm not gonna I, I, I'm not gonna deny you. I mean, I'm I'm the same way. I mean, I I always me and my buddy at work at my old job laughed and talked about how our um, musical taste was that of a 19 year old girl because both he and I would jam out to churches all the time. Oh hell yeah, hell yeah. Uh, so you know, like there's just something about uh, women vocals and pop music that just it's like a perfect storm for me like i am just captivated so like for the most like for like so if i'm looking at the sides side one there's not a bad there's not a dud no so it's money changes everything which is fucking phenomenal Mm -hmm. girls just want to have fun which is like that beat and rhythm is fucking just catchy as hell when you're mine just another synth pop masterpiece and it ends with time after time i mean that's just that's four back-to-back songs that are just untouchable yeah completely agree go on uh side two that's uh, after a while it starts kind of dragging for me so she bop starts it all you know really really strong start all through the night i like and then once i get to witness and i i'll kiss you those are the two tracks that i just kind of like uh i Mm -hmm. i guess it's okay which you know uh, and then it goes into He's So Unusual, which I love because it's like that uh, the 1920s nasally jazz. Betty Boop. Betty Boop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. And then it ends pretty strong with Yeah, Yeah. Yes. I, 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 I'll agree with you. I do like Witness. Um, I'll Kiss You was, was kind of a dud or like a, was a filler to me. I do like Witness. Um, but yeah, I, I, front to back. This is a damn good album. Yeah, it's not even like I don't like those songs. It's just like it is they're to me they're just not as good, but that's, you know, that's really not saying much. I still enjoy the song. So like all this is one of those albums like all I loved it all the way through. Yeah, no have you ever listened to it all the way through before or not so much? Uh I did when I I think I did when I worked at CD Warehouse like 20 years ago, but like that's when I you know I'm working, so I'm just hearing it as background noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know but this was the first time i sat down and listened to it from front to back and i just loved it and it's like to me it's like a perfect summer album mm-hmm. it just feels like everything's just like kind of you know pops mm-hmm. and it just like i was driving around today listening to it and i was just like you know the sun was up but it was like 30 degrees out so i didn't i just really wanted to roll down my windows and like just drive around to this album but i couldn't so but i will i will in a few weeks oh absolutely you know the the thing is is that right away with money changes everything just the opening of that song sets the tone for the whole album and it's just it's great it it, i mean it 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 sounds like uh, honestly the synthesizers and things she was doing compared to what gilmer was yeah. doing. Yeah. See, this is when synthesizers and keyboards are done right, and freaking Gilmer. 
fucking Gilmer. Can't even Gilmer made me hate this kind of music for freaking 20 years. God damn it, Gilmer, you ruined Cindy Lapper. Um, he kind of did. He kind of <laughs> did. Like, Momentary Lapse of Reason kind of like jaded my view on a lot of 80s pop. And it, it's a shame because a lot of it's really good. A lot of it's really good. Yeah. And this is one Gilmer. Good to him, Gilmer. Uh, no, yeah, money changes everything, sets the tone. Then it goes, and the girls just want to have fun. When you're mine is just a fun fucking song. Oh, and then, and then yeah. time after time is like the the pacing of bringing the album down a little bit is perfect. Yeah, this is like if you take look at these four songs, this is like a perfect like template if you want to make. Well, I guess in the, this day and age they don't exist, but like a mixtape. Yeah, yeah, mixtape, mix CD, or even a mix. Uh, mix mix, I guess, if you're using streaming services, you want like three tracks. They're just bangers. Boom. And then you take it down just a notch with a ballad. Mm-hmm. Like this is like a template for a perfect mix CD or mixtape. Yep. And then it goes, and then, you know, side two goes right in the sheep op, which is yep. phenomenal. Yeah. And let's <laughs> just say, like, that was a controversial song when it came out. It was a controversial song, it was a controversial video. Um, it was a controversial everything. And, yeah. uh, you know, when you, when you look at it now, okay. And I'm just going to, cause we're on, we're going to talking about it. Um, let's look at some of the song lyrics on this. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is not weird sex news. <laughs> 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 but I mean, I, because it's, it, it's, I mean, in eighties, this was taboo. Yeah, this was in 1980, uh, People weren't as progressive-minded when it came to female sexuality. No. No. So it opens with, I see them every night in tight blue jeans in the pages of a blue boy magazines. Hey, I've been thinking of a new sensation. I'm picking up good vibration. Uh, So, um, you know, uh, do I want to go out with a lion's war? I want to go south and get me some more. They say that a, that a stitch in time saves nine. They say I better stop or I'll go blind. Like, you know, now it's nothing really. Like, it's just not controversial. At the time, people flipped their shit. Yeah. Yeah, it was It was like, yeah, people just were not comfortable with it. It's, it's interesting how uh, our views change over time, especially in, like, in our lifetime. I was born in 81. Like, mm-hmm. I don't remember. I remember the, you know, the videos from this, but I don't, you know, I obviously wasn't cognitive enough to notice the controversy until like VH1 reminded me years later on I Love the 80s or whatever, some bullshit they were doing. <laughs> um, right. But, you know, it's like, it's, it's pretty in a, it's pretty like, it's not like, you know, imagine like 13 years later, then you have Nine Inch Nails saying, I want to fuck you like an animal. It, right, right. This is along the same lines as, Again, you can't have a band called Death in the 70s, but you can in 81, right? <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's weird. And, you know, it's I, and I almost think feel like this, like, you know, because it came out after this. And I feel like She-Bop, a song about masturbation, like, might have got Prince's attention for Darlin' Nikki. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Another one I've done for karaoke, which always gets people uncomfortable, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> 
Especially when I start humping the microphone during it. Oh, man, it's glorious. It's glorious. Well, well from this point on, you know, I'm only doing Phil Collins on karaoke, Paul. That's just fair enough. My, no my jacket fa- required. My, my, my favorite is because it's just so humorous to me, right? Just the way she does it. It's done very tongue-in-cheek with humor. My favorite one that they say, and I got to think that uh, Kenny Loggins took something from this, was they say I better get a chaperone because I can't stop messing with the danger zone. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, is she caught, like, in class or in the woods in Canada? Like, were the bears complaining the fucking standards and practices that she was she-bopping in the woods? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. Um, and then you go into All Through the Night, which I've done for karaoke as well. Yeah, that's and a solid song. Man. It's so fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> and then Witness, like I said, you know, it's it's good, it's there. But in you know, when you have six bangers, yeah. like just six great songs in a row, you can't, you're not going to have on a, you know, a 10-track album, all 10 songs being amazing, your first go-around. I mean, it's been done but it's yeah. super rare. Uh, still good songs. I'll kiss you. So good song. And then it gets in the he's so unusual. And yeah, yeah. And what I love about when I was listening in my car, I don't know if you had it or not, but like when her odd, she go, you know, she goes back into that Betty Boop voice a little bit, and it's coming out of my right speaker only, and it's just <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's like uh, again, it's like 1920s, like speakeasy fucking <laughs> weird nasally oh, hello, hello. <laughs> yeah yeah and they do that awesome tone with it too right like 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 they yeah. like they make it sound authentically from the 20s it's really well done yeah yeah this you know this is like one of those few albums that you know it's just like again front to back it's just fun it's really good i love it uh and it just makes me uh, you know what happened to her after because she i know she did music but like this is a hell of like was it like trying to live up to like what an up your debut album is because i know that that affects a lot of artists when they have a really strong debut album yeah i think you know the sophomore album was true colors which had a few songs on there that that were um good you know i mean her cover of what's going on by marvin gay um was was really good you know the title track um change of heart but yeah it didn't have quite the same love that it it did and then she did Um, the goonies soundtrack well the goonies came before that yeah that came in 1985 she did the goonies soundtrack and then she did a night to remember which was her third album and well and in between there she did the movie she started getting in the movies with um jeff goldblum um, which was Vibes, and if you haven't seen it, where she plays a psychic, it's amazing. It just, I mean, imagine Cindy Lauper and Jeff Goldblum on screen together. You just, you, you have to see it to believe it. It's amazing. I think that that would just, you know, cause the universe to fold in on itself. Ball, I might have to avoid that. Uh, I'm telling you, yeah, I think it's on Prime for free. Check it out. It's it's good. And then her third album, um, which didn't a night to remember didn't really do well at all and um you know it was nowhere near the success it was met met with mixed to poor reviews and then after that point um she did a hat full of stars which was really acclaimed uh which like uh, critically people loved it but her label didn't support it 
because it's because it tackled topics such as homophobia, racism, abortion, spouse abuse. And so the label was like, we're not touching this with a 10 foot pole. Um, and so that didn't really get her anywhere. And then, um, <clears throat> then, you know, then she got knocked up and, um, you know, she did stuff throughout the years and does like little like just singles here and there, like seems to be the big thing. But yeah, really, unfortunately, what that that fourth album really is what killed her. There's just in, in June of 1993, the the label kind of said, we don't want anything to do with you. And then <clears throat> her fifth album was released. In, I mean, she had to release it in Japan, her fifth album, because the studio didn't want anything to do with her. After after that fourth album, but that's she's still really a touring presence. Like she does a lot of shows. Oh, she does a lot of shows. She does a lot of TV. She's very active. I mean, she's huge in the LBGT um, community as a as an activist and being a humanitarian. She is like a solid fucking person. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, she's really gotten a lot of activism um, from that. So I think that was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, she's not been sitting on her keister people she's she's out there busting her butt oh yeah oh yeah she, she's had a 40-year career um katie perry lady gaga vanessa perez tegan and sarah yelly all said sydney lopper's why we got in the music so yeah i mean she was huge influence now let's go back in time and talk about captain lou albano and the rock and wrestling connection joe let's hear it because that's I'm interested in that. Like, I find Cindy Lauper fascinating across the board, but I've I've always wanted to, but I've never like read into like how this this juggernaut of pop culture came to be. So the rock and wrestling connection uh, really came into play with between MTV and um, <clears throat> uh, MTV and um, WWE. Uh, give you know, give Vince McMahon his his damn due. Um, no, you know, okay. Okay. No. Um, he, he was smart about who he partnered up with. And, you know, when he started bringing out WrestleMania and things like that, <clears throat> he really needed that celebrity aspect of it. And MTV was a budding station. And he's like, Hey, you know, if we could get these young kids that are into these rock musics and, you know, he was looking at wrestling and what he was doing at the time and the characters he was creating as essentially extensions of what was happening on MTV. He's like, if they're, if they're buying into these fucking people on MTV on these videos, they're buying into our fucking wrestlers. So he started kind of promoting MTV and WWF at the time. Now WWE started working with each other and Cindy Lauper, was a huge wrestling fan and was all over it. So yeah, Captain Lou Albano was in a lot of her videos. Uh, most of her videos, actually. Um, he was in, uh, as a matter of fact, everyone, basically, the WWE at the time was in the Goonies vi- video. Have you ever seen the actual Goonies video? Uh, the um, <clears throat> the soundtrack? Yeah, that's crazy, that video. <laughs> yeah. It's got like a Classy Blassie, uh, uh, Classy Freddy Blassie, it's got the Iron Sheik. It's got Roddy Roddy Piper. It's got um, the Captain Lou Albano. I mean, it's got everyone in it. And, you know, they did this whole kind of exchange thing where, you know, in promoting um, um, in, in promoting each other, um, they 
you know, she would go out there and do these things and get fans from the wrestling world. It just happened to work out. Now, the problem with it was, is some people really like it. Some people hated it. Uh, you know, you have those people that were like, it was a total sellout uh, and that type of thing. So, yeah, it was it was really, really interesting. Um, <clears throat> you know, Captain Lou met Cindy Lauper because he loved her. And Lopper wanted him to appear as his as his daughter. I mean, as her father, and girls just want to have fun. And then through that, Vince McMahon met up with them and booked Lopper and Albano to appear in a segment of Piper's Pit. If you remember what Piper's Pit was, oh, um, yeah. for the for the audience, Roddy Roddy Piper had this talking bit, which was revolutionary at the time, called Piper's Pit. Where he was this heel and he'd bring people in and just berate them and have these ridiculous scenes. And um, <clears throat> so, yeah, um, Alban- during the segment, Albano called her abroad. She retaliated by hitting him with her purse. And then she challenged Albano to a match between two female wrestlers of their choice. Um, and that's what started the whole wrestling. The prominence thing was now MTV was was talking about Cindy Lauper is going to be on WWE, and that became part of the MTV News, and MTV was selling it, and WWF was selling it. Yeah, yeah, just crazy how that all kind of came about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, she was the instigator for the whole rock and wrestling connection. Like, it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for her. Like, I think that's absolutely awesome. Yeah, I do too. And let's not forget when WCW did the infamous uh, Danzig Les Misfits. Oh my God. <laughs> Don't forget WCW also had the demon from Kiss. If you if you know about that um, deal, they had a deal with Kiss where Kiss played at one of their pay-per-views and they got the rights to some of their music to use for a year. But the stipulation was they had to have a, res- a Kiss wrestler that they called the demon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was awful. <laughs> Isn't that just Sting? <laughs> no, Sting was good. Fuck you, I like Sting. Oh, I forgot. Sting was the Crow wrestler. That's uh, right. Yes, Sting was the Crow wrestler. No, the demon was Dale Torberg. God, how I know this shit. And, and if you've never heard of Dale Torberg, don't feel bad. No one did. Um, he just wasn't very good, and they only used him a handful of times. And they actually stopped using the Kiss music so they could stop promoting him because <laughs> he was so bad. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the um, that's that's that story. And then you know, just a couple of years ago, they brought her back in, um, and Roddy Roddy Piper before he passed away, and um, you know, yeah, they she actually came back in and did like an anniversary of the Rock and Wrestling Connection. So, really, really cool stuff. Is yep. she in the WWE Hall of Fame? If she's not, she needs to be. Um, yeah. I mean, because that's kind of like, you know, a lot of people's introduction to either wrestling or Cindy Lauper. So, that, I mean, people forget that was a huge thing. She no, she was scheduled. Um, she was she was um, in the class of um, ni- 2019. Oh, yep. wow. Yep. Excellent. Yep. Yep, as part of their celebrity wing. Yep, she was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2020 and 2019. Yep. Well, at least Vince McMahon isn't the biggest 
piece of shit. He's just a big piece of shit. Well, you know, you, justice you have, for China. Justice. Oh, that will never happen. That will never happen. Mm-mm. Nope. No, there will Should. be no justice. There will be no justice for China. Never. Well, this McMahon's got to die one day. So. And I think I think Triple H will take over. Um, we'll and I it. think because he's silent, he's you know he hasn't been so subtle about his thoughts on that. So. No, 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 he hasn't. But man, now we got into a whole wrestling tirade, which I could do a whole nother podcast about if you ever wanted to. Um, <laughs> so, so um, that's the whole story there with 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 Sidney Lauper and that debut album. Um, I mean, Joe, I guess we're at. The, I mean, this is going to be a shorter album. I mean, shorter uh, podcast, I think. But would you recommend this album? Oh, absolutely! This was a fantastic album. I I loved it. Like I said, front to back, it's it's so good. It's just so catchy. It's fucking good. Check it out, people. Yeah, I, I have the same recommendation. I love Cindy Lauper. I love this album. Like again, if you're gonna do an album, anyone out there listening to this, and you want to like this is a blueprint to a phenomenal the debut album. You know, just go out with your you know go out with your fucking cunt out and just rock it man <laughs> hell yeah hell yeah. yeah and that's i mean that's what she did i mean she held nothing back and that voice of hers is perfect like you know there could have gotten a lot of things wrong but you know the people that were surrounding her and i guess let, let's talk let's talk a little bit about that because there was a lot of people supporting on this album really cool people by the way um on this on this album um that you maybe didn't know about so, um, Rob Hyman of the Hooters um, helped out on it. Uh, Richard uh, Tremini of who uh, does synthesizers, who included the helped out typo negative, was on this album. They have uh, a couple good <clears throat> albums I really like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Wood was on this album helping out. Um, Eric B. Brazilian who was in the band Hooters as well, and who wrote One of Us, um, that was made famous by John uh, by Joan Osborne, was on this. Um, Neil Jason, uh, who was a session musician that did bass work for John Lennon, Billy Joel, Roxy Music, Mick Jagger, Peter Townsend, was on this album. Anton Figg, um, who was the drummer, who was known as... Um, um, the second command for Paul Schaefer and the world's most dangerous band on uh, David Letterman was on this album. Uh, Richard Chekhov, uh, who also did um, Joan Osborne's One of Us. Um, Sophie B. Hawkins, Damn, I Wish I Was Your Lover, was on this. Um, you know, so uh, there is just so much that was done. Eleanor Greenwich, um, who was a backup vocal vocalist um who wrote hanky panky chapel of love then he kissed me do a diddy diddy was a backup singer on this album um julie Shear, uh who did work with the bangles was on this album this was a powerhouse like the people that were on this like this is one of those things where again you gotta have the right people at the right time and this was the right people at the right time hell yeah so yes i recommend this album front to back there isn't a really a bad track on it uh you might start to kind of you know when you hear all those ones like joe said 
the first six tracks in a row that are just fucking stellar. And then you get to, you know, Witness and uh, I'll Kiss You, where they're not bad songs and probably could have been held off for album two or her second album and could have uplifted the second album, actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's just front to back fucking phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So, Joe, what do you have going on? Uh, <clears throat> uh, by the, uh, we will be dropping the Red Dragon review this week on the Joe Down, nice. followed up by <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I forget. Brown has a... Oh, <laughs> after that, Brown let me know that we will be doing... Uh, God, what's that movie? Fucking... Xanadu. Oh my God! Uh, fucking uh, Olivia Newton-John Xanadu. Yeah, yeah. Which oh, oh Christ! Jokes on him because I find that movie comically great. It's it as as you should. <laughs> that Zardoz, come on! Oh my God, Zardoz! Yes, I couldn't tell if that was Sean Connery or Burt Reynolds the first time I saw it. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> it, it really doesn't matter. So that's what we got going on. What do you have happening, Paul? Um, let's see here. I just got done editing. Um, our lamb lays down on Broadway, one that we did. Um, so that should come up this week. Um, I have. Uh, I'm supposed to be doing uh, Dante's Peak at some point. Again, it's harder with three people getting their schedules together. Um, for uh, cast that movie. Um, and oh my god, and I already know what the next one's gonna be. It's fucking Geely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, that's gonna be a tough one. Um, oh, the Ben Affleck, <laughs> the Ben Affleck, yeah, Jennifer Lopez, <laughs> mm, Kevin Smith. Mm. No, Kevin Smith didn't do Geely. Oh, no, no, he did Jersey Girl. Yeah, yeah, you're yes. in the worst of those two. I'm in the worst of those two. Jersey Girl had some redeeming shit in it. Yeah, Geely it Carlin in it. You don't, you don't got any of that shit with Geely. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, I got those ones mixed up. Fuck my life. Um, you really gilmered that one. <laughs> God damn it, Gilly! <laughs> um, and then I will be doing... Um, uh, I should be doing the next Stranger Things here in the next week or two. So really, really busy. Um, I got about five things to, to edit for us to put up. Um, and just, yeah, it's a lot of recording and, and editing at this point. So, Which is good because we got a lot of stuff in the pipe. So excellent. Yeah. So Paul, are you ready to hear my pick for next week? Uh, am I ready to hear your pick for next week? Um, well, okay. I switched it from what I, w- I told you it was going to be. Oh, my audience. God. It was originally going to be the soundtrack to the BG Sergeant Pepper movie. But then I saw on YouTube, I can rent that movie. So I'm going to use that as a Joe down. <laughs> oh, you know what? You know what? I'll, I'll give you this. The week you do that as a Joe Down, we'll also do a rate that album of it and nope, make it nope, because okay, this is going to be well, maybe we'll see. Pretty, it's coming up pretty soon. It's probably going to be my pick after Xanadu. Oh, fair enough. All right, buddy. So uh, but next. for our next pick, I'm getting us out of the coke and pot haze of the 1970s and 80s, Paul. 
I'm bringing us to the early 2000s when a, a legendary metal band decides to bring a psychiatrist in as they oh. one of their worst albums ever. Oh. We're going to be doing Sane Anger by Metallica. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather do the Bee Gees cover. <laughs> well, we're not doing the Bee Gees, Gilmer. We're doing Sane Anger. God damn it. I had so much to say about George Burns singing, too. Fixing a hole. <laughs> Fixing a hole, George Burns. Fixing a hole. All right. Fuck. Yeah, so. <laughs> oh, sitting. Uh, I mean, the making of that album is just fucking hilarious. Uh, it, for people listening, I suggest checking out some kind of monster before our review because we'll be relying heavily on that documentary. Yeah, fuck. I have to rewatch The day Dave and... Mustaine cried. <laughs> In a therapy session with Lars Ulrich. <laughs> what a pussy. <laughs> wasn't this around the time where they brought in, like, this was the new drummer, too, like, Trohugo. No, new bassist. Uh, Jason, yeah. part yeah. of the story, we'll get into it. Jason Newstead leaves, like, almost right when they start recording this album. Yep, yep, and they bring in Tru, uh, Trujillo. Yeah, and, he's a really good bassist. He was an infectious group, so, like, I mean, it's whatever. We'll get into it because there's a lot going on with that album. There's a lot. Not only like the back behind the scenes, but how they put it together, which is so stupid. Oh, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Uh, And I have a lot to say about the drumming of that album. Oh, (laughs) like I had on that. Oh, my God. Have you you seen the YouTube where they they substitute uh, the snare drum (laughs) on Injustice for All with the snare from... (laughs) Are you kidding me? No, I haven't seen this. It's hilarious. Oh my god, send me a link to that when we're done here because I gotta see that. Will do. Will do. Holy shit. Oh my god. All right, all right. So, Saint Anger, it is. Uh, Is is this revenge for a mandolier? (laughs) This is revenge for a mandolier. And unlike No Jacket Required, I feel this one's not gonna blow up in my face. Yeah, no, no, it's not. Come on, Lars, you're messing up the drumming. <laughs> Lars, get it into Hammett. What are you doing? <laughs> you're Gilmer in the set, Lars. Gilmer in the set. Quit crying with Mustang and get back to work. <laughs> yeah. I don't care who touched you wear. Just get back in that studio. <laughs> So we have that to look forward to, Paul. FML. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck my life. All right. <laughs> uh, son of a bitch. All right. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, we we spent a lot of time. We had. A, I mean, this was a high high. This was a high high. So let's go back to a low low, Joe. <laughs> oh, we're hitting the deep, the deep end now. <laughs> oh man, we're giving away what we're gonna say when our next. How are you gonna rate this album, guys? Do we even need to listen? Yeah, you need to fucking listen. Listen, because there's a lot. There's a lot to this, the making of that, and it's mm-hmm. it's really interesting and kind of stupid. <laughs> That they put themselves in this situation. <laughs> like, like, yeah, they 
grown men knew better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they're like in their forties. Yeah. <laughs> You're in your forties. You've done a bunch of bands, and you've had, you know, you, you, you uh, oh my, you have kids. Like you know better. You know better how to live. Like what are you doing? Yeah. Yes. If you're doing this to yourselves, I don't want to know what you're doing to your kids, you fuck up. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. So, Paul, right. why don't you take us out? Well, girls just want to have fun. <laughs> there we go. Perfect. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah, as soon as I saw the movie was available, I was like, oh, I'm making Joe Brown sit through that. If he's making uh, me sit through Xanadu. <laughs> oh, my 